And welcome to Beneath the Surface. I'm Susie Wiseman, and as you just heard that intro, I'm very pleased to welcome uh, Yasha Levine, Mark Ames, and Vanessa Carlisle, two de- detainees, and I guess we'll call it one commentator. Mark Ames is a founding editor with Matt Taibbi when they were Moscow-based of The Exile, a bi-weekly that was shut down by the Kremlin in 2008, and he was also a founding ed- editor of The Exiled Online, along with Yasha Levine, who is also with us, And uh, the two of them have written a series of exposés on the Koch brothers as the American version of the Russian oligarchs. We also had Mark on uh, to talk about his book, Going Postal, Rage, Murder and Rebellion, from Reagan's Workplaces to Clinton's Columbine and Beyond. And we also had him on before that with Matt Taibbi uh, to talk about the exile, sex, drugs and libel in the new Russia. Yasha Levine, as you just heard, is the former editor of the exile and founding editor of the exile. And that's the English language biweekly that combines satire and continues its amazing tradition of investigative journalism. And as you heard, that was shut down uh, by the Kremlin in the summer of 2008. Uh, Yasha's articles have appeared in Wired, The Nation, Slate, Penthouse, Time Magazine, and and probably everywhere else as well. And um, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how both uh, Yasha Levine and Mark Ames first broke the connection between the Tea Party and the billionaire Koch brothers in a Playboy.com uh, article in February of 2009, and they got lawsuit threats and caused CNBC's Rick Santelli to publicly distance himself from the Tea Party movement, no small feat, and to cancel his daily show appearance. Um, and as uh, uh, Mark provided this information, he said that Yasha was also the first to uncover the origins of the Koch family's wealth and its connection to Stalin and the Soviet Union. No joke. Vanessa Carlisle, USC grad student, and she's been with Occupy LA from the start, and she's now a writing jailbirdie. Welcome to Beneath the Surface, all of you. Thank you. Hello. Hi. So let's just hear it because, you know, the story, the L.A. Times uh, today has an article about more than 200 occupiers uh, who are still in jail. And I think that we have to underscore that 296, I believe, were arrested uh, in in the um, so-called peaceful, wonderfully behaving LAPD raid of Occupy. So let me just ask um, Yasha to start to talk about what happened that night. Vanessa, you can interject as as you will, and then we'll hear your stories. All yeah. right. Well, yeah. thanks for that amazing introduction. Uh, it might, might be the best one I've, I've had yet. <laughs> well, you know, for me, the, the night started at about 11 o'clock when I was when I raced from Venice, where I live, to downtown L.A. When I when I heard that there was going to be a raid, I I, I, I've been covering the Occupy LA uh, movement, and I visited the camp numerous times. And I'd been there you know, two days before the before the actual raid, when the eviction date approached, and uh, people in the Occupy camp thought they were going to be evicted. That was Sunday night, and uh, so you know this one was came unexpectedly, and so I raced over there and I got there as fast as I could. What I saw uh, was I, I began to walk around and when when the police uh, began to encircle the camp suddenly uh, with no warning um and cut off uh, people from each other and encircle the, the center of the camp uh, uh they began um sort of kind of telling uh reporters that if they once they make the order to disperse and if reporters don't leave um they're going to be arrested 
just like uh, the protesters, just like anybody else. And so when I started, when I understood that and I started walking around and, re- and realizing that a lot of the reporters uh, were leaving because they didn't want to be arrested, um, I sort of decided that, you know, I, I owe it, I think, to the American public to stay behind and to observe what would, what would be happening behind the police line. Um, because really the media was cut off from uh, observing the, 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 the crackdown and the, and the attack on the camp. Unless, of course, you were in the authorized press pool that was announced, <laughs> I believe, just hours before the raid. And then you and were so, shunted and, off to the side in any case. And then there was, I mean, I was following it and I was tweeting it as well. And, and it was quite uh, funny because on mainstream television, just to interject, you know, they were saying, oh, the press buses have been uh, asked to leave. Oh, wait a minute. No, they just moved. Oh, I mean, it was just chaotic. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I, and I actually saw the whole thing because I decided to remain in, at, the, in, at the core of the of the of the encampment. You know, just, there were just maybe a, I don't know, a hundred people. I, I'm not really sure how many that were that made a circle and locked arms around this one lone tent that had I think two people in it. And so, and and, and the, the police made a big wide circle around it and began clearing the space between the the, the protest protesters who were sitting down. And uh, the human wall that was made by the police and riot gear. So, at some point, that was cleared of pretty much everyone, including the, all the media that was not uh, authorized and it was not part of the press pool. But the press pool was behind the police line, and, and so and, and they were allowed to essentially go where where the police wanted them to go and, and what they wanted them to see. So they really the police really managed what that press pool could report on. And uh, where they could go, and so I, I had a really a front row seat, literally a front row seat, to how to the behavior of of this press pool, of this authorized press pool. Maybe we should have um, Vanessa come in and tell your story too. And I and I just have to say that you know watching it, I was shocked that in fact the LAPD, which you know you saw sealed off the area. Uh, but then poured out of City Hall itself, and so we now know, because the LA Times bragged about it, that they were using underground tunnels to go into the City Hall and to come from the center, as it, wa- as it were. Uh, Vanessa, how did, you, how, how did you experience it? Um, I was one of the people who was in the seated circle um, in the center of camp, and, um, and they did stream stream out from City Hall like ants. <laughs> it was it was stunning. Um, we were encircled by hundreds of cops in riot gear who were holding their batons uh, for, I, I think they're holding them for about an hour before they were ordered to, to put them away. Um, mm-hmm. And the press were allowed in for, I would say, an hour and a half of about a four-hour process of arrest. Um, and the cops were... Um, very gentle during the time that the, that the press were there. Um, and as soon as they were not there, they were much rougher, peeling us out of the circle one by one, using pressure points and twisting our legs. And um, they cuffed us very tightly. They put us in a line to get on a bus. And um, I was on a bus with a woman who is nearly 80 years old. Her name is Ruth who was begging for her cuffs to be loosened, um, and the cop said, well, maybe she should have left her 80-year-old ass at home. And they, they said a lot. They said a lot of things like that. So all of, all of their lack of tear gas um, 
you know, they when they call it a peaceful a peaceful clearing out, I just I, I I'm I'm just amazed that people are believing that there was there there was a ton of violence in the streets towards protesters who had already chosen to leave. Um, many of the women I was in a holding cell with had no intention of getting arrested and had been told to leave and were on their way out of the site when they got kettled and arrested anyway. Um, so there was, there was an incredible amount of, like, entrapment is what it felt like to us very clearly. And, the, and those of us who had chosen to stay were, um, were held in buses for hours without being able to use the bathroom. Um, you know, we were, we were arrested in the middle of the night and we weren't booked until after nine in the morning. Um, and our booking process took three hours. And, you know, they were incredibly well organized for the raid itself, but somehow their organization fell apart at the jail, which I have a lot of uh, suspicion about. I mean, they, they knew we were coming, and the whole system was was incredibly slow, and, you know, they didn't feed us for hours. They... There's, I could go on. Well, we'll get, you'll get the chance. You're listening to Beneath the Surface on KPFK Los Angeles, 90.7 FM here in L.A., 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, and 99.5 in China Lake, 93.7 in North San Diego, and streaming live and archived at www.kpfk.org. I'm Susie Wiseman. The three guests that uh, I'm speaking to are Yasha Levine, Mark Ames, and Vanessa Carlisle. Let me just ask you to, in, to come in there for a second, Mark, and then we'll go back to the arrest stories, but you you were kind of following it from afar, I understand. Yeah, I uh, well, Yasha uh, sent me word, and, and he did literally ran out of the house late at night. Um, I, I was actually just up in New York at the time, and he said he was going down there, and, and we talked, and he was, um, you know, well, he, but we were in contact, as he said, two nights earlier when they when they did a sort of faint raid when they didn't actually do the raid. And so we weren't sure what was going to happen. Um, and then, you know, uh, we got very late my time. And then uh, next thing I know, he was out of coverage. He was gone. And uh, it was hard to get any information on him. Uh, and then I finally found out from his father um, because he actually was finally able to call um, from inside the prison uh, to his father. And, and what, what really shocked me were initially was, A, the 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 meme that was sent out by this carefully stage-managed, um, you know, police attack that this time it was different. It seems to me every invasion, every war we've done has always been this kind of different, and, and it's always cleaner. And I can't believe, you know, every time they fall for it, and it always makes me suspicious when I see that crap. And, and you brought uh, it up in your in your blog about it as well and, and pointed out the irony that, you know, for, for, for both you and... And uh, Yasha Levine to have experienced, uh, I guess, this form of w- w- official hypocrisy and yet uh, complete uh, what disdain for the for the truth getting out in Russia that you you began to see the parallels immediately. Uh, absolutely. You know what's infuriating is that we both Yasha and I covered um, the, the anti-Putin, anti-Kremlin uh, democracy demonstrations, which were. Which was small, but you know they, they were the start um, in 2007 and 8. And um, it, it, the Western media and American, in particular, you know, government officials and think tankers and so on, were monitoring every little move that the Russians made and would scream up and down, and rightfully so, about you know 
police state tactics, police state crackdown, not allowing protesters the, the right to assembly, the right to free speech, and so on. And you know, and and the reporters are with you know the foreign correspondents and so on in Moscow. Their their eyes were trained to look for signs of brutality rather than trained to look for signs of hey our police are doing a wonderful whatever they tell us must be true. <laughs> you know? And 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 it's to complete opposite here. It's a shame. I mean, it's it's easy. It's very easy to criticize foreign governments when you have nothing emotionally at stake when you're when you don't fear any social consequences. Do you, in a way, Mark Ames? Then I'll get back to the story. But do you, in a way, see that uh, that in a sense that that it's a more sophisticated operation here, but very very similar. And 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 that's my sense too. I at the after the uh, so-called transition, I said we did a kind of crisscross, you know, and adopt each each other's side's worst aspects in terms of you know bureaucracy and and uh, markets and everything else. But the question, I guess, would be: is we're having you know we're we're coming up in 2012 to two elections, one in Russia that's in two days, where you have a almost a joke with Putin now coming back, and then, of course, with Obama, and yet you've got this movement here. No Occupy movement there, as far as I know, but maybe you'll tell me otherwise. But but just, just, just briefly on that Russian election, what are your thoughts, uh, Mark? Well, what I know, and I don't want to pretend like I, I know the ins and outs of what's going on there the same way that I did until three years ago when I, when I had to leave the country, um, but, but so I, from anecdotal evidence, talking to Russians um, and reading the press and so on, um, there is genuine discontent with Putin this time. I, I felt like, you know, four years ago, uh, four or five years ago, Russians were a lot more tolerant of a, kind of a semi-authoritarian country then because of what they experienced in the 1990s under uh, democracy, as they call it, shitocracy. Um, but now they're, they're it's it's degrading and humiliating it, it you know to be played like that where he just uh, switches chairs back and forth and Russians aren't comparing themselves um, to the absolute rank low point of the 1990s anymore the expectations are a little higher and um, I, I think that it's 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 kind of dangerous what he's doing if you ask me I think Putin is um, starting to lose his marbles I think it's overreach, too. Well, let's go back to what happens here, because I, I invite the listeners to uh, see the parallels and to, and to try to see what's really going on. And, and, Vanessa, you just talked about the mistreatment, and I know, Yasha, that you came back severely dehydrated. I've heard stories from others that they were not allowed to go to the bathroom. They had to either pee on their shoes or their yeah. boots or their pants and, and that they're mistreated. And one said this was the way the LAPD got back at us once we were in detention because they had to treat us nicely in front of the cameras. Is that the case? Well, you know, w- one of the things um, that I that struck me as I, as I sat there and uh, realized that I was about to be arrested and, and then went through the whole process of being booked and, and, and waiting uh, for uh, an hour on the bus, you know, listening to a girl up front screaming and crying and begging a, a police officer to loosen her handcuffs because they were eating into her, into her skin. And we were all in pain from those handcuffs that they use, these plastic zip ties that are just incredibly, I mean, they're almost designed to be a, like a, a stress position almost, and that's what people talked about. Um, you know, people are right, right away when we were finally able to talk uh, and, and uh, in, in their holding um tanks that that what this 
what we went through uh, reminded people of uh, Abu Ghraib and Guantanamo and all the war- and all these catchphrases that that we've heard about in the war on terror. Stress positions. It's not torture. Mm-hmm. It's stre- uh, there's, it's stress. It's a stress position. <laughs> people people said, "Whoa, that that is uh, this is a stress position." And I would tell them anything if they asked me. You know. And so, I think as well, just the just for the media's, you know, for those who were watching it as they put those, you know, they look like what you do to corral your loose cords behind your TV set. You know, the, those little plastic ties, and it's and it kind of gives you the impression, oh, that's probably more humane than those terrible metal cuffs. And and Vanessa, I can hear you coming in there. They, what's, uh, what's different about the zip ties is that they can make them as tight as they want. And they are as hard as metal and they're more sharp. And so mm-hmm. many of us have bruises on our, on our wrists and they also kept us cuffed for four hours. So our arms were behind our backs, tightly mm-hmm. bound for four hours and they didn't cut them off until we were, um, in Van Nuys Metro. And I, you know, any any cuffing doesn't feel particularly humane to me, but this in particular was, was violent. I mean, there were women who lost feeling in their hands and arms. I was on the bus with a woman who fainted, um, you know, and we finally got off the bus when this woman fainted. That's what it took to get us off the bus. So, and and, and were you following, I mean, I know that, that you, Yasha, were kept for two days. I'm assuming that you too. Uh, Vanessa, and, and I'm, you know, as my listeners know, I teach in the Bay Area, and, and some of my students were arrested there and were also kept for a couple of days. Is this normal bureaucratic procedure? And, and especially given that Via Rigosa sympathized with the aims of the 99%, what is to account for this kind of treatment? And were you a- allowed access to your legal counsel? Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit more about that part of it. Go ahead, well, Yasha, you can I- start. Okay, yeah, well, I, after I got out, I uh, actually spoke to a, a bail bondsman I, that I know, and he's working with a couple of uh, people that were released in Van Nuys, and he says that, well, the, 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 the bail that was set from, from a minimum of 5000 to an upward, some, some people that have $20,000 bail set, um, is just, and, and, and the detention that, uh, they're, that they're holding us for the maximum 48 hours that they're allowed by law, uh, is almost unprecedented um, for a misdemeanor charge. Usually for a charge like this, you are released um, uh, with no bail, and m- maximum maybe you get a $100 bail as just kind of a symbolic thing, and you're, and you're just expected to return on the court date, and, um, and if you don't, you get a, an, a, an arrest warrant out. Um, so so the, the, the fact is there's 300, almost 300 protesters were uh, detained, most of them on misdemeanor uh, on a misdemeanor charge of failing to disperse or which is also it's an unlawful assembly charge it's it's unheard of and, and so yeah it is a punitive measure i believe and i think uh, a lot of people kind of felt it uh, being on the inside and and uh, and you wrote Yasha Yasha Levine in your blog you wrote that this was uh, the kind of abuse that you experienced was police sadism pure and simple and i just wondered Compare it to the treatment you got in Russia as you were being hounded out. Well, it's, it's interesting because I covered the um, the anti-Putin, anti-United uh, Russia protest, which is the ruling party of Russia. Uh, in so this is right before the election. So this is in right so it was December 2007, and I was actually detained um, in one of the protests in St. Petersburg, and. Like I, I, again, I, I'm not so. I, I, the, I have to say, I'm sure that the that the 
abuse and, and the tactics. Uh, I, I didn't go to jail because they actually released all the media that that was uh, detained uh, right there on the street. So they went through all of the through all of the uh, the buses that people were in, and they actually took out uh, members of the media and, and and told us like, "See, we we let you out, so don't complain. You know, don't write anything <laughs> bad about it." Um, but so I can't really say. I'm sure that it's much. Um, I'm sure that in Russia it is much more brutal. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain of that. But the fact that there are so many similarities uh, and the fact that uh, first, America should hold itself to a slightly higher standard than, than Russia, than what's happening in Russia, I believe. And so uh, the, the tactics were very reminiscent of what I saw in Russia. I can't speak to the... You know how exactly they were alike, or well, I have to ask so. this question, and Vanessa, you can answer as well. Uh, do you think that this was meant to scare you from uh, participating again, and and do you think that the effect will be to prevent you from, say, regrouping and participating, and for even more to come along uh, in this Occupy movement? And go ahead, Vanessa, well, you first. Yeah, I would say number the first question, absolutely yes. It was it was designed to. Uh, teach us a lesson, to scare us, to make us feel like it's not worth it, um, you know, especially for those who are on the inside, who had no knowledge of the system, who had no knowledge of what it's supposed to be like, that a protest arrest is often an injunction or totally thrown out, that many times this in this movement in New York, you know, they, they arrested 700 people at the Brooklyn Bridge. Did they book them all? Absolutely not. They, they detained them, they let them go, and a lot of people were expecting for this to be a normal protest arrest, and it absolutely was not. And they did that, uh, of course, to prove a point, you know. So, yeah, they want to scare us. There were also a lot of people who were getting released on their own recognizance and told um, the condition of your release is that you may not go back to City Hall. I mean, uh, unbelievable. So, yes, the answer to the second question, is it going to stop us? No. And I was told before, and, but before coming on tonight, you're listening to Beneath the Surface on KPFK Los Angeles. I'm Susie Wiseman. That yet again tonight at 7.30 on the west steps of City Hall, there will be a general assembly. I, I, I assume that they're going to pl- uh, keep going every single night with general assemblies. So just uh, if, if you want to f- go down and find out more and, and participate in this incredibly consensual um, display of, uh, of mass democracy, I highly encourage it. But, okay, so, uh, Mark, okay. yes. Who, who, who? Can I actually jump in? I have, yeah. I have a little, uh, I want to add a little bit to what Vanessa was saying. All right. Is, is that in addition to being just a punitive measure against the protesters themselves and and to teach them a lesson saying, look, this is no fun. You're not going to just, you know, get arrested, sit in a bus for a couple of hours and go and party with your friends and, and celebrate. We're going to make this painful for you. So think about this. There's another there's another uh, aspect to I think to the detentions and and that is controlling the 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 media story and 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 and, and the thing is is right away the the next morning the the media story about the raid was established that LAPD was a it was a professional raid it was a nonviolent raid it was a very restrained raid they very organized they were very uh, very nice to the protesters it was all very peaceful and 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 we and we now know of course that. A lot of this is not true, that there was on the ground during the protest, there was a lot of violence and a lot of unnecessary violence and unnecessary attacks on journalists and on people who were leaving. Uh, but also, so, and also there was a lot of um, abuse during the detention process. And so the important thing about keeping these, keeping these protesters locked up for the maximum amount of time that, 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 that they 
legally can, 48 hours, ensures that the media story can be firmly planted and can take root. And then once it, once that happens, you know, it's very difficult to to change the, the narrative. Of, and, and so I, I believe that's one of the big reasons why they decided to keep everyone in jail. And, of and course, as... I, yeah, is that Mark? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no. I was going to add, I'm sorry, one thing here, that yes. um, reporting talked to in, in New York, uh, and they're actually begging to try to get their story out more. A friend of mine from the Joan Radigan show at, at, at MSNBC uh, was telling me that when the Occupy protesters tried to protest, um, Obama gave a, a speech or something in New York the other night, um, that the police were extremely hostile. They were extremely intimidating, and it was clear that this is um, a new strategy intended to intimidate the hell out of reporters, number one. So she, you know, she told me that the reporters and protesters were corralled way off to the side, far practically out of view. She was trying to find out how to actually get there as an MSNBC producer um, to, to report on it, and the policeman, when she asked him very kindly, he looked at her and he said, um, basically, clearly you are threatening to commit a crime here. Uh, do not threaten. You know, I mean, if, if the responses were, if you talk to them, um, you are actually practically committing terrorism. And as, you, as you're both speaking, you know, I'm, I was following it and, and switching back and forth between the live stream of what was going on in Philadelphia. It was absolutely coordinated in the response of Mayor Nutter and Mayor Villaraigosa the next day about the professionalism of the LAPD mm-hmm. and the Philadelphia yeah. PD came from the same playbook and it reminds me, you guys are journalists, uh, that this is the talking points now for how, how you know, mm-hmm. the story goes forward. Absolutely. Max Blumenthal, exactly. by the way, has a great piece that just came out today about how um, a lot of these police departments, including in Alameda County, very recently underwent all, all sorts of training from uh, Israeli occupied territory forces and Bahraini uh, forces on crowd control. And I'm, and I'm sure, I mean, it, look, what do they need to do? They need to scare protesters, divide them from the public, and manage the message that the, Republic, that the public receives. And these guys study this stuff like a science and apply it. And, you know, we just need to, we need to be smart and you know how to sort of get our story out and fight back and, and, and maintain our rights. Well, we've just about run out of time, and I, I really want to even to talk a lot more about next steps and will charges be dropped, but we're going to have to cut it off there. But I'd love to invite you all back individually or together to continue this story, not just about next steps for the Occupy movement, but for how you respond to the treatment that's being dished out and talked about it in such a humane way. I want to thank Yasha Levine, Mark Ames, and Vanessa Carlisle for joining me on Beneath the Surface. You can go to the Exiled with a, a capital X, uh, online.com, and you can find both Mark Ames' bio and uh, blog and, and articles, as well as Yasha Levine, and get a lot more backstory, including details of the treatment that Yasha Levine uh, was subjected to while he was being detained. And Vanessa Carlisle, USC grad student, been there from day one with the Occupy movement, and will be writing this up, and it will appear in Against the Current, and at least on their website, if not in the next issue. Uh, stay tuned and I will let people know. I want to thank all of you for joining me and good luck and rest up and we'll see you back at the uh, at City Hall. Thank you. <laughs> all right,
Thank you, and I'm Susie Wiseman. Please don't go away. When we come back, we're going to talk to Nomi Prince about her great new novel of the 1929 stock market crash. It's called Black Tuesday. Black Tuesday.